0: Just a note before we start. This podcast is designed to be listened to in order. So if you haven't caught up yet, head back to episode one What is the Share Market? to start your investment journey.
1: A Listener Production. Have you ever been to one of those restaurants where the list of menu options is so enormous and confusing, you have no idea what to order? Hmm. And the menu has a bunch of numbers and pictures that don't really explain what you're going to get either. I'll just have a water for now, please. No problems at all, ma'am. And then, after 15 minutes, the waiter has been back to the table three more times to hurry you along. So you just pointed a number on the menu and hope. Now, look, you might get lucky, and the number eight could be the tastiest meal of your life. But it turns out the number eight was the seafood surprise so I doubt it. To make an informed decision about what you're going to eat, you need to know what's on the menu and what ingredients each menu item contains. So let's trade some suspect seafood for the share market and start reading you the specials. I'm Jamila Risby, an author, podcaster, and apparently now a restaurant critic, and this is Comsec Invest, The Share Market Simplified. As we near the end of the series, let's call the waiter over and ask him a few questions before we decide on dinner. You've learned how indexes work, you're building your investor's mindset, but all of that means nothing when you don't even know what's on the menu.
2: There's so many different options when it comes to investing. You can invest in so many different types of asset classes, but When you're just starting out, keep it simple. You don't have to go and start jumping into buying commodities or bonds. You can just start by buying a share in a company or an ETF, which is basically a ready-made basket already there, packaged up nicely for you.
1: Let's break your buying options down into two broad categories. Option one is buying into a group of companies with something like an ETF or an exchange-traded fund. More on that later. Option two is buying shares in an individual company.
3: When you invest in an individual company, you'll go on to an online broker. So you've established a share trading account, for example, and you'll place a buy trade and that'll be executed in a specific company and there'll be a ticker or company code associated with that identifier. And then they will place the order and you'll get an allocation of shares based on the amount that you invest.
1: But there are some other ways you can buy shares in a company.
3: So companies may offer new shares to the market as a way of raising capital. This is called a float or initial public offering. There's also crowdsource funding, which enables startups and small to medium-sized companies to raise public money to finance their businesses. This is also known as equity crowdfunding or crowdsource funding of shares. And you may get shares or the opportunity to buy shares via an employee share scheme at your workplace.
1: If you decide to invest in individual companies, it's important to do your research and make sure you build a diverse portfolio. If you're looking for some automated diversity, let's consider another way you can get into the market. Been the emergence of actively managed
2: ETFs. Sustainable exchange-traded funds. Spot Bitcoin ETFs just waiting for approval.
0: Quite often the way that we start seeing people as their first trade when they enter into the market are into ETFs, and it gives a really good broad diversification to a client across lots and lots of stocks in one trade, as opposed to being exposed to just the one single company in your first transaction.
1: ETFs are becoming increasingly popular with younger investors because they can be a more approachable way to start investing. In a nutshell, they are a collection of companies available for purchase as one big package. Instead of picking a bunch of companies for yourself, You can simply buy shares in one ETF fund, and that's being curated by people who probably know a bit more than you about investing. No offence. I think what really appeals to me about funds is you're getting the best of all the worlds. So you're getting like a little slice of lots of different companies, which I think like it diversifies your risk in your portfolio. And also someone else is managing it. I don't have to. There are lots of different types of ETFs. So there are ones to suit almost any type of investment. Some ETFs simply track an index like the ASX 200, which means that you invest a little bit of money in each of those top 200 Australian companies. Other ETFs are more curated and overseen by fund managers like Jun
4: Bailiu, who we met last episode. ETF is the easiest way essentially just saying I'm buying the market I want to buy this market going higher or now you can even buy the market going lower as well so it's a bet on the market and also there are many different versions of ETF as well you know you can buy international markets so you can buy US market you can buy Nasdaq market you can buy you know Australian market
1: let's go back to that restaurant from the start for a second Maybe you think that, despite its strange menu names, the restaurant actually has some investment potential, but you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. So instead of buying shares in one business, you buy a restaurant ETF, which covers some of the best restaurants in the neighbourhood. You still get to own a piece of the one you dined in, but you've diversified your investment with other restaurants too, just in case the seafood surprise causes any issues. While you won't find an ETF in the real world that covers just the restaurants in your neighbourhood, there are still a wide range to make sure your investment aligns with your personal goals and your investment style. Some are broad and cover lots of companies across a range of sectors. We're taking a look at tech ETFs.
2: The best healthcare ETFs. Seven of the best mining ETFs.
1: While others can be more specific and focus on one thing, like space exploration or AI. The space sector, specifically the Procure Space ETF.
2: AIQ, the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF.
1: There is an ETF out there for everyone. So if you're like Ellen and you're passionate about sustainable investing, you could invest in an ESG, or Environmental, Social and Governance ETF, which only invests in companies with a focus on sustainability. I feel very passionate about mitigating climate risk. So that's where I tend to focus my investment. Obviously, my values are going to be different to your values. And that's, I think, it's something really cool about investing is that you can take a look at what is important to you and invest in those things to hopefully make those things grow. And, I mean, in my case, make the world a better place. For a lot of new investors, the first ETFs you come across might focus on a particular sector they will have names like tech fund or australian Healthcare. sectors are important to get your head around and you'll see them talked about a lot on your investment journey
0: impacted the
3: tech sector a dominant financial sector
1: declaring war on the mining sector
2: here in australia on the asx there's 11 different sectors and a new investor should be basically across all of them because they're not complex at all You've got the financial sector that includes some of the banks. You've got real estate. You've got technology. You've got materials, which includes our big mining stocks. You've got consumer staples, so the supermarket giants like Woolies and Coles. You've got consumer discretionary that will include those retailers. So understanding these 11 sectors is a pretty simple thing to do, and you should understand what each of them are and try and spread your portfolio across all of those sectors if you're only trading locally.
1: Every sector has its own personality and represents a unique type of investment opportunity. Some are higher risk and potentially higher reward. Others are more stable, but have less potential for significant short-term growth. Let's look at three different sectors here in Australia and see how they stack up.
0: So when it comes to the technology sector, you're almost buying the story in the future when it comes to that sector itself. We often talk about you're trading shares and you're trading a multiple of the earnings of that company. The technology sector has the highest multiples because the market believes it has the highest growth potential.
1: I'll just stop you there for a second, Graham. An earnings multiple is a great way of getting a better understanding of the relative cost of a share. And I'm not talking about its share price here. I mean whether that share is considered expensive or cheap. Just because one company's share price is higher than another's, it doesn't always mean it's more expensive. You need to look at the earnings that company generates per share or the earnings multiple. This can help you decide whether a $100 share in one company is actually considered cheaper than a $10 share in another. All right, back to you, Graham.
0: The risk when I'm trading in the technology sector is that if I don't actually get the growth that the market expects then that's going to have a negative performance on the share price so that's why we'll see technology stocks probably a little bit more volatile than others in the market because the market expects a lot from them and if they don't quite meet market expectations that will mean a decline in the share price and there's the risk if they beat market expectations there's a massive increase to that share price so it's kind of a high risk high reward sector.
1: Let's compare the tech sector with something less volatile, like the financial sector.
0: So when it comes to the financial sector, especially here in Australia, we think of the big four banks and it comes down to stability in returns. And what investors like to see from that financial sector is the sharing of that wealth with their shareholders paid via dividends. And that dividend payment helps to stabilise the returns of those companies over time. In Australia, our banks are definitely savings banks, which tend to be more defensive than, say, an investment bank like a Goldman Sachs or a Bank of America over in the United States.
1: And lastly, let's look at a sector which is historically known for its consistency and its stability, even during tougher periods like COVID-19.
0: So the other sector that I see as lower end of risk is your consumer staples sector. And I start thinking about that as our own spending when we're spending money in this high inflation period we're experiencing at the moment. We still have to go and buy our groceries from Coles and Woolies. So that sector, regardless of the economy, tends to still have people spending money with them because we need to eat each and every day. Another sector that probably is on the opposing side of that uh, scenario is the consumer discretionary sector, where we might be going out to... JB Hi-Fi, we might be going out to Harvey Norman and buying all those TVs when we've got cost of living pressures at home. So we still spend at consumer staple stocks at Woolies and Coles, probably reduce our spending at Harvey Norman and JB Hi-Fi.
1: Each market around the world has a unique makeup of sectors. Which makes sense, right? Because different countries specialize in different things. When you think of countries in the Gulf, the first thing that comes to mind is oil. Let's begin with China because manufacturing is
3: picking up again. Silicon Valley, USA, the center of America's tech ecosystem.
1: Here in Australia, we've got an abundance of natural resources. And how do we get those resources out of the ground? if we look at the mining space,
2: that makes up about 25% of the ASX 200. It's similar with the financial sector. That makes up almost 25% as well. So these two together, just the mining and financial sectors, that makes up about half of the ASX 200. So That just gives you context as to how much weight they hold in the Aussie market.
1: Getting to know the sector characteristics of a particular market is important before you make an investment. And while there can be benefits to venturing overseas and diversifying your portfolio, which we'll get to soon, starting local is a great way to learn about companies and sectors that you're probably already
2: familiar with or that you've heard about on the news. Investing in local shares can be a good first step. It can be a little less scary because you might know these businesses a little better. You're also, you know, supporting your local economy. You already know the rules and regulations around taxes and things like that, or you you generally would know these things. Whereas if you're trading internationally, you might need to learn these things and start fresh.
0: We actually understand our companies a lot better here within Australia, then we may understand a company that's overseas. So, we're here on the ground, we can hear directly from the management of those companies, and we should understand our own domestic-based companies better than what you might understand an international company.
1: Once you get your head around the Aussie market, there are good reasons to have a look overseas as well. We've spoken about the potential benefits of diversification before. International investing is another way to diversify your portfolio.
3: Diversifying across geographic markets can help counter some of the losses you could face if the local economy suffers an economic downturn because other global markets may be performing better than others. This reduces the risk of your entire investment portfolio being derailed in the event that the local economy slumps. Another benefit of looking offshore is the opportunity to gain exposure to a broader range of investments than those available in the Australian market.
1: Now, I know, as proud Aussies, we like to think we punch above our weight in the world.
3: Kerr running at
4: bright. Kerr with a shot. Oh, I see! That's incredible! It's official. Australia will be included in this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Oh! And all gone
0: down! Bradbury is going to come through and win gold! Stephen Bradley.
1: But when it comes to economics, the numbers don't lie. Although our market is world-class and we do lead the way in sectors like resources the reality is that Australia is nowhere near as big as markets like the US or China.
2: Our largest stock here, BHP, versus the largest stock in the US, if we look at the numbers from today, is 13 times smaller than the size of Apple. And if we look at the total market size, the US market is roughly 16 times larger than the Aussie market.
0: If I think about is bigger, better, quite often it is because I can actually... Uh, be a leader in that industry. And my returns aren't impacted by some other companies that are also in that industry. So the bigger a company becomes, the more control over its revenue and its earnings in the future it has.
2: So if you're not investing internationally, you're depriving yourself of all of that opportunity that's available there, and you're only getting a very small bite of the action. We're not saying
1: don't invest in the Australian market. Remember, our market is one of the best regulated in the world. What we are saying is to consider that magic word again.
4: Diversification. Diversification.
1: Diversification across markets, rather than only investing in companies from your own country, is a great way of spreading your risk it also means you have the option to invest in much larger companies that don't exist in Australia. But before you go sending your dollar bills on the first plane to Wall Street, here are some things to consider.
0: Unlike where you're investing domestically, you can vote in the company's annual general meeting. You can't really do that overseas because the shares aren't held in your own name. Often as well, some of those companies pay dividends overseas and they pay dividends in their currency in their country. We have this really nice taxation rule in Australia where we get these things called franking credits. Uh, You don't get them on international companies.
1: If you're wondering why overseas shares aren't held in your own name, it's to do with the way you have to buy them. You can go back to episode three for the full rundown. And if you're also wondering who Frank is and why he's giving out all these credits...
0: So a franking credit is when a company pays a dividend, and this is an Australian company, they've made Australian earnings, the company already pays 30% tax to the Australian tax office. When they pay the dividend to us as a shareholder, we actually get that 30% the company already paid in the dividend back as a tax credit because that tax was already paid.
1: You might also hear dividends described as franked or unfranked. This refers to whether or not that dividend has a tax credit attached to it. Franked equals credit and unfranked equals no credit. All right, we're at the business end now. The last thing to do before buying a share is to decide how you're going to buy it.
3: Well, when choosing how you want to invest in shares, you will need to decide how your money will be managed. And will you use a professional financial advisor or will you do it yourself?
1: We've spoken about brokers before. And yes, you will need to go through one in order to get into the share market. Let's break the broker decision down for you. You can either go through a broker like ComSec, which gives you freedom of choice. In this scenario, you can still invest in some ETFs but you can also manage the makeup of your portfolio yourself.
4: You invest directly in the share market, buying a company, then you'll use either some of the brokers where you can go on the platform and do it yourself. They're a little bit cheaper. If you invest directly in shares, then it's quite straightforward.
1: Alternatively, if you're investing larger amounts of money or you want a more hands-off approach, you can pay a financial advisor or fund manager to help manage your investments for you which we covered in more detail in episode six.
4: And the fund managers will invest through their own style and watch it for you. So someone manage it for you professionally. You do pay a fee, but for them to watch it for you constantly. Fund manager is particularly important. It's their track record. If they can do it well for a long time, then probably can trust them. You need to research your fund managers like you research your company.
1: There are several ways you can enlist the help of an advisor or fund manager to support your investment journey. If you're considering this option, make sure you do your research to find the right fit for you. Now, before we send you off to start exploring all these different options for yourself, let's touch on one more important consideration. Your investment strategy. Things like risk appetite or how long you plan to invest, things that we've covered earlier in the podcast, they play into strategy. And how you answer these questions will influence how you get into the market and what you buy.
2: Are you in it for the income potentially? So that would be finding a company that historically is known for paying dividends. That might be something that you're interested in. Are you looking for a growth strategy? So you might want to invest in a company or a group of companies that have the potential down the road You can also do something like value investing, so buying a company that might be seen as undervalued. So the shares are trading for lower than what they should be worth. And there's experts out there that will determine whether a company is seen as undervalued or overvalued. So that information is there available for you on the ComSec website as well.
1: Whatever your strategy, there will be a broker and investment structure that suits your goals. And whether you want a more hands-off approach or you're keen to manage your own portfolio, you still need to know what's on the menu. Otherwise, you could be left with a suspect seafood surprise and a bill.
2: And here we are, ma'am.
1: Why is there a $400 surcharge? I guess that's part of the surprise. Will that be cash or card? The best way to avoid any unwelcome surprises Seafood or otherwise, is to do your research and understand what you're buying.
4: First of all, what do I know about that company? What does it do? And do I shop there? Do I understand it? And what's its proposition? What's its reason for existence? So understand that first. And second, company management. How long have they been together? What's their track record? Which is incredibly important because ultimately it's the people that make those things successful. And third, okay, if I like the company, is it expensive? If I compare this company with its similar sort of businesses, is it much more expensive than the others? So, you know, do your homework? Work, understand the company, understand the price you want to pay at, and then just invest in back the management.
1: On the next episode of ComSec Invest.
2: As a general rule, having a long term investment plan means buying and holding an investment for an extended period.
1: We're not done just yet. To wrap up the series, we're exploring one of the most overlooked things for many new investors. What do you do? After you buy a share.
0: You need to now start thinking about what do you think the future projections are of that company. Have they had a really good run-up in share price? I actually want to sell those shares because I don't think their profits are going to perform as well in the future.
1: That's next time on Comsec Invest. Comsec Invest, the Share Market Simplified, is a listener production brought to you in partnership with Comsec. Hosted by me, Jamila Risby. Audio by Kelly Fulston. Executive producer is Todd Stevens. And producer is Thomas Thexton.
2: This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, (Comsec). The information and views expressed in it do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Opinions expressed to those of the individuals referenced and not Comsex.
1: Listener